पैरानॉर्मल रियलिटी सीजन थ्री विद जय अलानी इस बार होगा और जोर से भूतों की झूठी कहानियों पर रियलिटी का वॉर लिसन टू द पॉडकास्ट अ मंथ बिफोर एनी वेयर एल्स एक्सक्लूसिवली ऑन एमेजोन म्यूजिक Included with your Prime membership. Namaste, Jai Hind. Welcome to another edition of ANI Podcast with Smita Prakash. Today, my guest is Vikram Sampath, noted author and historian, whose new book, Brave Hearts of Bharat, has created a few ripples. Vikram's seven earlier books include two volumes of Veer Savarkar, which also generated a lot of interest. Vikram has a doctorate in history and music. Dr Sampath thank you for coming to our studios most honored that you're coming here to discuss your book and much more thank you smita ji it's always a pleasure to talk to you i'll be calling you smita ji if you insist on calling me dr sampath i think vikram works well enough okay so during the course of this podcast it's going to be vikram which it is offline <laughs> so um so you know um in your book you say in your uh, new book which is uh, brave hearts of bharat um in this you say that uh, india doesn't tell its story and as sanjeev sanyal said and i'm quoting from that uh, the manner in which indian history is depicted as is a it's a long litany of failures every battle we are taught about is one in which india or indians have only lost we mm. made to appear as a nation of losers speaking of nation of losers Before I get to your book, I'm going to get to your tweet. Oh God! <laughs> yes, I know. See, this is how I trick my guests <laughs> because your your tweet uh, on uh, Savarkar. You've written on Veer Savarkar two volumes, eminently readable though very voluminous. I must say, it took me a It lot of time. People, uh, you know, during the lockdown, as dumbbells also. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of so it, it's. It, it's only if you have misconceptions or if you have uh, if you're a serious reader of um, mm. history that you know two volumes get consumed get absorbed quickly but anyway so your tweet on uh, on rahul gandhi you called him an imbecile so that made a lot of news why were you so angered i was not angered smita it was just that you know i've been telling the same thing from the last 3 years that's why i put out another tweet you know giving links to all the interviews all the videos mm. uh, you know talks uh, lectures interviews with almost all the channels of all i ideological tilts mm. left right and center where we've been talking about this uh, he wrote mercy petitions he was complicit in gandhi's assassination he was an islamophobe he was the reason for uh, the two nation theory all this has been done to death and it's just that suddenly someone just comes up with the same dead horse to flog and then you know how the media works immediately there are panic calls from all the guest relations saying tonight 8 o'clock this one show mm. 9 o'clock this one show and i'm really tired saying the same thing in autopilot mode it's like a broken gramophone record that i go on so uh, yeah I, i was more exasperated and i think intellectually and mentally fatigued to take on this and i mm. think uh, he was just doing it for the sake of publicity mm. uh, who in his right mind that to in going to maharashtra mm. where savarkar is a very revered figure uh, and Uh, he has an ally there for whom savarkar is a very revered figure they've been asking uh, they've the distanced themselves from that comment well, yes you uh, i mean there was a time when bala saheb thakre uh, had in- said that manishankar ayer will never be allowed to enter maharashtra for the comments he made on uh, savir savarkar the shiv sena has been one party which has been consistently asking for the bharat ratna for him much hmm. before the bjp also entered the fray so i'm sure 
his advisors know the, the dynamics and the poor Mr. Thakre is already, uh, you know, surrounded with so much problems. He's <laughs> hemmed in from all sides. His party has split. Why would anyone in their right mind uh, embarrass your ally at such a going to their state when they've already had a split and caused this? So and his son went and joined him. that Bharat Jodo yeah. Yatra, and this was. Um, just after that so i really don't know uh, who the advisors particularly on historical matters are hmm. because these are such juvenile comments that was i mean uh, someone signing off as your most obedient servant uh, we had mahatma gandhi signing off like that subhash bose that was the that was the template of the time the colonial masters you were always addressing and i think uh, everybody should have gone through the rigors of cbse education system yeah. done this renan martin and you know <laughs> learnt english the way we all learnt it and it was that it's part of your thing yeah. you know that you write yours obediently or yours respectfully or yours warm regards warm, yeah um, i i That's, may not have any regard for you but i have to sign off like that yeah and this is common sense and to make that a national issue just looking for publicity so i think the best thing is to ignore uh stupidity can't be fixed hmm. so there's no point bhais ke aage been baja ke kya fayda so that was one reason i said i'm just done to death with this but, but that again <laughs> no but that again was oh he's running away from the battleground i mean excuse me i don't want to fight this battle with such people <laughs> i choose my had, opponents uh, you've had twitter spats with historians too right well historians not just twitter spats meta even courts <laughs> spats yeah i know <laughs> so there's been much more than that yeah. but i've always liked to engage with uh, a wide variety of people hmm. uh, in the long list of video links that i put uh, you know on uh, one more media outlet we had a big face off with professor aditya mukherjee former jnu professor uh, with shashi tharoor dr shashi tharoor uh, in one of the conclaves so I, um, you know a lot of historians don't engage in uh, debates and discussions particularly those belonging to the leftist uh, you know school of historiography it's my way or the highway there's no it's never a a dialogue with another person Correct. it's always a monologue uh, but i've always had uh, you know open uh, conversations with people who have differing viewpoints hmm. but then there need to be some standards of discussion and debate if you actually bring the level of the debate to the lowest common denominator and then hmm. expect someone to rebut all this uh with people who have not read most of it and yeah. who come from a place of prejudice who come from a place of rhetoric i think it's a waste of time i, I 3 years 4 years ago maybe i would have said yeah let's do it but now i'm bored of that <laughs> okay so your book uh, vikram it's immensely readable Thank you. it's uh, it's a lighter read from the <laughs> savarkar volumes uh, outdone myself in terms of the uh, <laughs> size <laughs> uh one would think that maybe it's easier to write but mm. i doubt it because uh, you know to get all this uh, research material on the 15 people that you quote uh, it must have been hard because yeah. it there wasn't uh, enough research or it wasn't easily accessible right right i mean i think i was conned by my publishers <laughs> <laughs> they said okay. after those huge volumes let's do a what my editor premanka goswami called it a quickie mm. uh, you know it will be a quick read so just do this uh, and 15 people the i thought the difficult part was only choosing who the 15 would be uh, because you don't know it's more about whom you have yeah. to leave rather than whom you're going to select but i realized it was 15 times more difficult than the savarkar volume because as you said there's so little documented history particularly 
in english or whatever you have to rely on a lot of regional uh, you know language literature oral narratives folklores uh, all of that but it gave me a great i mean i traveled across most of the places that yeah. mentioned in india all over delhi there are hoardings now of lachit borphukon we having his 400th birth anniversary being celebrated in the coming week on i think on 24th of november is lachit divas now thanks to the you know government of assam and government of india we are at least commemorating that now yeah uh, of course there was a medal in his name in the army and so on but other than that the larger indian uh, you know mainstream history uh, the ahoms who ruled for 600 years if you ask a, a little child can you name two ahom rajas or one ahom raja i'm sure nobody would even nobody. know uh, so just imagine the plight of someone coming from the northeast to say a delhi or a bangalore or you know to study and in their textbooks their part of the country is not even represented and you're reading that as the history of india so do they not even matter in the larger narrative of india and uh, what sort of uh, you know um, unity are you then creating among people and communities uh, which is the sad manner in which history has been written true here. northeast has been uh, you know completely uh, ignored uh, i'm going to get to the northeast part but before that i want to just know first like how did you select these 15 people before i go to the regional you know yeah. i want to go from kashmir right up till uh, you know karnataka yeah. so and from uh, from the east from assam i will come uh, to kutch <laughs> yeah so i want i will we will traverse the course but yeah. first how the 15 it must have been hard right yes as i said i think it was more about whom to leave ah. <laughs> because uh, my criteria were one was of course these are tales of resistance tales of bravery hmm. where as you rightly mentioned you know i mean it's not as if we always uh, you know covered in front of invasions we also won wars so what were these wars who were the protagonists of this these wars making that sort of a list and also i wanted a larger time span hmm. uh, so it starts from the 7th century and ends in 1857 hmm. with the uh, uprising and um, then whatever happens after that is the freedom movement hmm. so i thought that was a good stop and geographical spread so Uh, uh, traditionally those areas of india which have been ignored in mainstream indian historiography the south of india both of us come from the south mm. our stories also don't get featured we are mm. still better off than the northeast but you know we don't get that coverage so yeah, only vijayanagar that's it that i'm going to come to the cholas yeah yeah, yeah little bit hardly yeah, hardly but yeah go ahead yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was the uh, criteria the geographical spread hmm. and i think another important point for me was the gender balance again history has always been his story hmm. where her story never gets uh, the due that it deserves yeah. and so uh, out of the 15 i've selected seven women uh, and eight uh, men so tried to balance that also uh, so geography time span gender and uh, the criteria was you know stories of courage some are not i mean two of them are were not traditional warriors they didn't wear an armor and burst into the battlefield uh, ahilya bai holkar and uh, rajashri bhagyachandra jay singh of manipur who, i don't know <laughs> even i didn't know this man existed before uh, but both of these were civilizational warriors they uh, we'll talk more about them later but then they united the their part of the country and ahilya bai the whole country through culture through through spirituality at a time when the country was going through a decadent phase and uh, you know invasions and all of that so i thought these two were important 
not just in terms of military courage but also i think civilizationally what were their contribution to this nation actually uh, you know when uh, you mentioned ahilya bai i'm i'm going to come to ahilya bai but uh, ahilya bai somebody i thought would be the person i will read first huh. that because it doesn't go chronologically in the book yeah. i thought i'll pick up ahilya bai because you know um curiosity huh. about ahilya bai so huh. i get but let's start with kashmir now it was it, it was the most revealing thing about yeah. it you know yeah. when i read abhi i was like we tend to think of kashmir as one part mm none of us think that it went right down till the plains yeah. so you explain to me or give me a teaser or to our viewers a re- reader uh, listeners a teaser about this lalita ditya yeah tell me about it because i was i was like fascinated i said yaar mereko to pata hi nahi tha iske bare mein i i'm telling you this because i'm sure there'll be some comment saying ki how ignorant she is but sorry yeah I mean, most of us were kar- Karkota dynasty. How yeah. many people know how that? How many? Yeah. Dalita Ditya Mukta Pida. I mean, very few would know. At least we didn't have him in our hmm. growing up years in no. textbooks. And this hmm. man was called the second Samudra Gupta of India. Hmm. And Kalhana, of course, in his Rajatarangini, paints a very you know fantastic and exaggerated picture of his Digvijaya campaign that he made across. Uh, the entire subcontinent, according to him, was under Kashmir's uh, supremacy, which is a little. Exaggerated. He okay. says he almost crossed Karnataka, defeated the Rashtrakutas, then went to the Tamil land, defeated them, then crossed the ocean and even conquered Lanka. So, which is a little, uh, you know, there are no documents no, to support nothing, that. nothing hmm. to uh, cr- uh, you know triangulate that bit. But then he had at least still what is today's Madhya Pradesh, Bengal, <coughs> Odisha. Um, yeah, to to some extent parts of you know Assam, Gujarat. all of that and on the western side um, afghanistan gilgit baltistan uh, tibet so all this entire span hmm. was the kashmir empire uh, under lalita ditya in the uh, 7th century hmm. and we uh, never heard of him and his biggest contribution was the fact that he along with several others during his time ensured that the arabs beyond that narrow portion of sindh which they conquered after a lot of hmm. effort and dahar's family uh, hmm. raja dahar there uh, and his predecessor chacha uh, who was the founder of that d- dynasty ensured that the arabs never you know had a free run it took them 60 70 years to capture after mohammed bin qasim came and beyond those little ports in sindh and so on the arabs never managed to get to the mainland of india why are we not told uh, this story this is such a fantastic tale who held them back all yeah. of these people yeah lalita ditya there was yasho varman in kanauj then there was a confederacy created of so many people bappa raval nagabhatta pulakeshin vikramaditya danti durga do we even does it strike a bell in anybody's mind that no. these were the people who ensured the arabs but all of us would know who mohammed bin qasim is yes and when the invasion of sindh happened hmm. that is by rote every child would know it would be a one mark question in some history paper but who are the people who ensured that they didn't go beyond that narrow uh, part of sin no we don't we wouldn't talk about that so yeah. i rest my case that way that <laughs> you know this is the history yeah. that's been handed down to us what's uh, what was given to us i think by our colonial masters was further perfected by the ideologically oriented you know post independent historians who uh, uh made this their project hmm. as to how the history of india needs to be written so uh, tell me a little bit about the fall of sindh yeah and qasim yeah 
that's a fantastic tale and it's uh, I, i wanted to actually do a separate chapter only on dahar yeah, yeah. <laughs> because um, i think right from uh, you know um, 636 ce uh, they've been uh, the arabs kept trying to invade sind but it was only by 710 when qasim came mohammed bin qasim that uh, they finally conquered uh, sind hmm. and that too mohammed uh, you, you know there's there was this uh, incident of a of a sh- a ship that was going from lanka all the way to the caliph and that got uh, stopped by pirates uh, at the debal port and dahar did not stop it and so the caliph was enraged and he sent mohammed bin qasim to invade sindh and he comes with this huge army and uh, it takes him a lot of time to actually invade sindh but uh, dahar is very overconfident and complacent because the uh, in the past almost 60 70 years they've not been able to uh, make inroads i think that was his falling and he comes in the open battle to um, fight mohammed bin qasim and he's killed there and that what follows is a total plunder and for for the first time i think the kind of loot and rape of women uh, demolition of uh, places of worship uh, buddhist and hindu shrines uh, is so widespread uh, which probably uh, sindh faced one of the first times uh, the kind of ra- rampages there and um, one one of dahar's wives is taken away as um, i mean uh, mohammed bin qasim forcibly marries her the other one commits uh, johar and this is probably the first documented uh, episode in indian history much before padmavati and others where all the royal ladies uh, committed uh, johar uh, to mm. escape the uh, clutches of the invader and the two daughters that's that was again a very fascinating story uh, parimal devi and surya devi who are packed off as gifts to the caliph and uh, once they go there they hatch a plot uh, and tell the caliph that you know we've already been used by mohammed bin qasim and so we are not pure enough for you and the caliph is so enraged he doesn't even think hmm. and mohammed bin qasim who's having a victorious uh, lap in india he's he's summoned back to be uh, brought back sewn in a uh, leather bag and so on the way he actually dies of suffocation and once the news of his death reaches the two princesses they then tell the caliph that they lied to him only to take revenge for their father's murder and then the caliph is obviously enraged and the girls are also put to death but uh, they they managed to avenge the two girls despite being in the harem hmm. and the captivity of the caliph they actually took uh, you know revenge for their father's uh, killers now uh, you know you talk about um, sati and johar i know uh, i i'm going to come back to uh, hmm. ahilya bhai i mean i'm going to keep coming to ahilya bhai you know yeah. like when you talked about uh, the first known johar uh, which has happened in sindh hmm. with ahilya bhai her daughter commits yeah. sati yeah i mean she didn't but her daughter did what was that like yeah you know oh my that was that yeah. was again a very sad story yeah. th- that story it just it shook me <laughs> i'm not a mother of do- a daughter but i'm huh. a daughter huh. i can well understand what it must have been or must have felt or for the mother for yeah. the mother and she uh, i mean despite all her piety and her devotion i think her personal life was such a disaster yeah. the poor lady and the husband was a debauched man this khande rao who had several wives and but what is interesting is the father in law and daughter in law equation to equation uh, yeah. uh, uh, malhara holkar who finds this little girl somewhere and he's so impressed by her erudition that he proposes to get her married to his son 
एंड देन ही टेक्स कंप्लीट चार्ज ऑफ हर एजुकेशन हर अपब्रिंगिंग ऑल ऑफ दैट विच इज सो रेयर आई मीन इन एटीन सेंचुरी इंडिया फादर इन लॉ एक्चुअली ट्रस्टिंग द डॉटर इन लॉ मोर देन हिज ओन सन एंड आफ्टर ही डाइज इन बैटल फील्ड मैन ऑल दी अदर एट और नाइन वाइफ्स कमिट सती ही इंसिस्ट दैट अहिल्या बाई शुड नॉट कमिट बिकॉज यू आर द स्ट्रेंथ एंड यू आर द वन who's trained in administration and all the politics of the time he's sharing those letters with her these are all documented and kept in the maheshwar uh, archives uh, and uh, later on uh, her son also dies and uh, he's you know mentally imbalanced uh, so there's no heir and then she takes on the throne uh, as the queen of indore Uh, much to the uh, you know displeasure of the peshwa's uncle raghoba who tries to usurp uh, mm. the kingdom but she gives it back to him in style uh, but i think the biggest uh, problem for her comes when her only source of succor her daughter Uh, loses her husband and she decides to uh, commit sati and she pleads with her and there's a first person account of how mm. she goes there and literally falls at her feet and cries uh, saying you and the daughter says you're going to die in a few years and after that i will be left uh, to deal with uh, a life without a husband so i can't uh, this is the right moment for me to take this noble uh, course of you know uh, self emulation and she goes away and this lady is supposed to cried openly someone who is never given to showing emotions in public actually breaks down and the first person account of a british chronicler uh, who writes that and she locks herself up in the room for several months she stops eating she i mean she completely gets into a uh, you know sanyas mode after that so very sad tale for somebody who is otherwise given to so much of uh, yeah. you know charity peety Uh, renovation of so many temples yeah sad personal life you can't you can't go to kashi you can't go to any of these somnath, places somnath yeah, yeah, are, okay let's talk about somnath yeah <laughs> talk about the somnath idol let's talk about somnath and what happened there yeah that's again such a fascinating tales myth yeah. and uh, so when mahmud of ghazni gets to uh, gujarat uh, the chalukya ruler bhim deva he's you know is run away fled and so mahmud has a easy run through patan uh, goes to somnath and he's come specifically to destroy the idol and that's where again the subterfuge that you know modern leftist historians do i don't want to name anybody but then everybody knows who it is uh, who keep telling us that uh, this was not for religious considerations it was economic considerations yeah. that there was so much wealth in the somnath mandir and of course the the evil brahmin who was uh, you know uh, hoarding all the wealth yeah. and all of that uh, they may be some element of truth about the wealth in the in the temple but the fact that there was no religious consideration for it is bunkum because this is narrated by uh, mahmud ghazni's own persian chroniclers his court the historians butshikan butshikan sorry yeah. butshikan that uh, so uh, i mean people like uh, uh, minhaj e siraj al baruni hmm. uh, ferishta all of them write in their chronicles contemporary and even later they narrate this whole thing that after passing through patan he comes to somnath temple and he is quite shocked to see 50000 common hindus not soldiers of the chalukyan army but common hindus all armed in some you know uh, manner defending their temple and their jyotirlinga and this takes him one week to kill all of them uh, and then enter the garbagriha and all the pujaris come running to him and say you are a lutera you want uh money so whatever money is there in the temple we will offer it to you just take it and leave uh, 
uh, and this guy laughs and says if i do that i will be famous as a trader of idols which i don't want my legacy to be called so i'd rather be called a breaker of idols or butchikan and so he refuses the money demolishes the uh, shivling and then it is of course pounded and taken away to makkah and ghazni to be put on the footsteps of the mosque so that every time and a faithful goes steps on, the on it the infidels religion comes down this is chronicle first person account of the court historians and today we are providing cover fire for that by saying no 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 it was only economic considerations and the kind of resistance one is this uh, story of how 50000 people did this now on his way back he wants to go back to ghazni quickly after the demolition some of the hindus try and uh, you know lure him as guides uh, his his he and his entire army are thirsty they say we'll show you where water is and they take him misguide him take him through a, a dry desert and then he's suddenly suspicious and he asks them like where are you leading me to and then they say that you destroyed our god and so this was our way of taking revenge on you and we want to actually uh, kill you of thirst and that's when he finally slays them so this sense of you know awakening and consciousness that uh, a, a place of uh, sacredness of our um, um, you know country of our religion has been destroyed was so rife and people like professor meenakshi jain in her uh, flight of hindu deities i think she beautifully chronicles this whole thing that constantly this effort was there to keep temples were getting destroyed whatever was happening the shivlings were saved were, they were moving across yeah. geographies they were being hidden in wells in deserts in uh, all kinds of places and resurfacing so in mathura if something is being demolished it would go all the way to rajputana and find a uh, mandir there or go to south india false walls in the garbagriha so that uh, you know even in mysore i i heard that Hyder Ali wanted to break the uh, Chamundeshwari mm. uh, idol, and so overnight, when the priests heard of that, they built a false wall and a false uh, deity was installed, and he came and uh, you know um, destroyed that. The uh, nose, the the nose, yeah. yeah, to defiled the Which deity. Which you see across all the temples in Karnataka. Yeah, nobody wants to admit that you're writing a book on Tipu. I'm sure. <laughs> that is also going to rile a number of people sucker for punishment <laughs> <laughs> so that i'm sure you're researching on that and you know you're going to be coming to those areas where all those temples were destroyed yeah. where people were killed yeah. in thousands let let into the jungles into the into that thick tropical forest to be killed by yeah. the animals yeah and the 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 forests were covered i mean we we've only uh as students of uh, the central board of secondary education and ncert books we didn't read of any of this yeah nothing i mean from because i'm from karnataka i've heard from aunts and uncles hmm. who've told me this but none of my classmates ever knew and i was called oh you're bigoted or you've heard this from pujaris or somebody who's <laughs> told you that's not true and uh, yes okay maybe tipu was a great king in the sense of a conquest he he fought or whatever but this is also part of our history yeah, yeah. i mean and it's living history uh, the story of the mandya mayangars of melkote whom he uh, 400 500 of the family who were hanged from trees on deepavali mm-hmm. and to this day the mandya mayangars don't, don't celebrate, celebrate uh, yeah. diwali 
the Mangalorean Christians. You come from Mangalore, and that yeah. side you have the Konkanis, the uh, and then the Kodavas from Coorg, yeah. uh, the Nayars of Malabar. I mean, there's so much of anger uh, even now. Coorg, I'm told uh, a lot of people call you know disparagingly they call street dogs as tipu, tipu. <laughs> so yeah uh, that's also a living history uh, and despite that we do perverse things like tipu jayanti and all of that uh, only for modern political you know vote banks and uh, mm. politics so which is sad i mean let that happen uh, can't history and politics are so intertwined but i think his as historians as scholars one needs to put out all the facts i mean this whole thing that if i tell the whole truth somebody somewhere is going to get offended i don't know why that happens when people talk about the excesses of the east india company and the british no one is saying that it's going to offend the christians of india right but there, it was not not the christians of india but uh, it was uh, it was said at one point of time right because the the fear that the brits will say no that that got over hmm. but as far as indian history is concerned there's only been one section which yeah. had a control over our tales over yeah. our stories True. and now there is another lot which is coming out at least i mean you guys were always there who was like you know there are stories of ours of india which have not been told but now there is a voice that you have yeah i just yeah. feel that that it's like pehle tha na ki ha jangal nacha mor kisne dekha it's yeah. like you've you're writing your text which nobody is reading nobody of consequence is reading True. but now it's being read yeah i mean rc majumdar jadunath sarkar sitaram goel ram swarup ji i mean their books are totally out of print uh, now it's all coming back into circulation i see the entire rc majumdar's collection uh, available for sale and that really warms my heart because uh, history is a discipline which should thrive on multiplicity of opinions uh to have a single monochromatic narrative and mm. imposed almost hegemonically on the entire nation i think that does great disservice to th to the discipline itself yeah and even at the heights of the of imperialism when you know james mill wrote his the history of um, british india and colored uh india and indians as uncivilized and that the Brit brits got us all a sense of culture and civilization and it was obviously a colonial lens of looking at uh, history even uh, at that time we had a lot of uh, scholars particularly from maharashtra who were putting these anonymous let uh, you know articles in newspapers called the first hindu h i n d o o hmm. uh, the second hindu the third hindu who were rebutting james mill and his uh, you know thesis Uh, and that led to the spurt of what is called the nationalist school of historiography which so the 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 irony is in under british colonialism we still had uh, a nationalist school vk rajwade and uh, bhandarkar and so many others jadunath sarkar and others who came that time but post independence in independent india they went into ether <laughs> anybody who does that is a sanghi yeah. is a you know a communal bigot and all these kind of names whereas uh, these are different viewpoints of looking at history it's a very normal course of historiography which in this country assumes all kinds of labels that we are under the payroll of someone i'm i'm i mean i get these kind of tweets i'm like please show me the money honey where is the money coming <laughs> where is that paycheck which is yeah. coming from someone but there is um <laughs> you see that uh, historians are also 
you know so sharply divided yes uh, right so there's the conservative lot and there is the what the, the so called liberal lot and the liberals are anything but liberal about hmm. uh, the point of view of conservatives hmm. and of course you know uh, history uh, there is interpretation like in literature yeah. there True. is interpretation so um the the lot which had a stranglehold uh, mm. over the narrative the histo- historical narrative over decades yeah. they are feeling threatened by this new lot of uh, history tellers yeah. uh it's not new history <laughs> it's a new way of telling our history finding those lost tales now um they feel that you're hindu supremacist like you have said yeah. now, i'm just going to quote uh, bibek debroy who said that you are correcting a biased narrative that has colored persecution of bharat's uh, history yeah perception sorry perception of bharat's history is it it's 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 something that is changing and it's making many of us rethink mm. it it's hard vikram like you know you've what you've learned in school in mm. college once it's embedded in your yeah. head to be told that what you've read is wrong yeah. you have to be open minded to accept it it's hard to do that very true very true right? and i mean uh, uh, as you rightly said those growing up years your teacher is your idol and what your history teacher has probably told you in school uh, mm. poor thing i mean not his or her fault uh, they were just teaching what was there in the syllabus but uh, to know that a lot of that is uh, concocted uh you know history yeah. um sl bairappa uh, has written extensively on this how when he was a part of the um uh, the ncrt committee uh, then uh, the 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 national uh, f- uh, curriculum uh, policy or whatever that was there it was specifically told that uh, anything that is inconvenient truths should not be mentioned national integration council or something they had a, a circular that came out saying this is going to harm national integration and you had that infamous uh, circular right which the west bengal government i think in 1989 uh, brought out uh, there were two columns called shuddho and ashuddho uh, where all the textbooks of all the uh, you know um, uh, across classes of west bengal under the leftist uh, regime there any mention of invasions ghazni gori aurangzeb that came under ashuddho and the shuddho version was it all had to be taken off you can't mention all this because it's going to affect today's society i mean why why would you want to hyphenate today's muslims with uh, with an aurangzeb and a ghazni your idea should be to tell today's indian muslims that they are not your role models and they are not someone you need to look look up to as your icons hmm. your you are actually hyphenating them and tell and to do this you are fabricating history whitewashing the crimes whitewashing the genocides the destruction which has happened over 800 2000 years so i don't understand where this need comes from to make a community feel secure you need icons of the same community and to even there if you do i mean a dara shiko is a better role model than an aurangzeb so you don't need uh people who will come and tell us from outside india uh, the famous in famous biographer of aurangzeb that he protected more temples than he destroyed yeah right i mean hitler also protected more jews than he 
killed so these kind of <laughs> crazy uh, yeah. you know nitwits come and become the voice of scholarship no darashika was no mention in at least when i was and i'm going to you know when i knew that uh, i'm going to be interviewing you to maine sari kitabi mangwai i got all these textbooks because my you know God. i mean uh, my thing goes back to when i was in school and uh, after that when my children were in school and there was nothing and i've said this before uh, in in interviews and podcasts and everything that you know um, all we knew was that uh, the south indian kingdoms was a choice question <laughs> and it was a three mark choice question so if you didn't want to top your class in history the three marks you could avoid so cholas chalukyas rashtrakuta we could just completely ignore vijayanagara ka uh, architecture seekh lo usme ek two mark question aayega so that two marks you just learn vijayanagara architecture 100% it is coming so that most people read the kunji the guide and learn about architecture it's like you know like when you're reading about harappa you know harappan civilization okay let's read about the seal yeah. one question will come on the seal dancing goddess, girl yeah, yeah. right so or uh, you are going to get a question on the sewage system <laughs> Huh? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. roads and it was at right angles and you know yes. all those things you're going to get that. On uh, Akbar you knew Dine Hilai per kar lo ga. Then you read about Mahatma Gandhi from Salt Satyagraha onwards. Yes. Everything you read yes. because hundred percent there will be a ten marker, there will be a five marker, there will be multiple choice. Everything <laughs> on Gandhi ji will be there. So you read Gandhi ji in detail. Yeah. Now, so I said okay. Now that he's coming, class ten. India and contemporary world. कुछ नहीं. None of your heroes are there in this. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I'm going to come to. Uh, okay. This class is class ten. Class seven is interesting. Okay. So this is class ten. Uh, I'm going to come here. Is your. Uh, I'm going to come to class eight and hmm. the others. So um, class. Class twelve, uh, part three, Indian history. None of your heroes are here. Right. Hmm. Class eleven, none of your heroes. Class twelve, hmm. nothing. Nothing. None of your heroes are here. Class twelve, another okay. book themes. None of your heroes, but your. <laughs> yes. You getting Indeed. this? Indeed. I hope you're getting this. Yes. So, you know whose heroes are here? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, class nine, uh, there is. Uh, a little bit of mention mm. when we are talking about uh, class nine. This this one is only about contemporary, so it's right. not there uh, in this. When we are talking a little bit about uh, your uh, class eight, mm. thoda bahot there is one or two when it comes to women and caste system. Mm. When it comes, but and then maybe a few people are mentioned, mm. but nothing much. Mm. Okay, now we come to this. Class seven. Oh, that's the interesting book. I love that. Yeah, huh? for various reasons. Yeah. So there is Chalukyas here. Thoda bahot. In a map, bit. right? Yeah. I mean, there's hardly any yeah. mention so of. So I'm looking at this. That oh, these are the new kingdoms. It comes under new kingdoms. Yeah. Right. It comes under new kings and new kingdoms. And then, of course, it has got everything about um, what is Hiranyagarbha. Yeah. You understand why it is written about Hiranyagarbha? Because it will be a one marker. Yes. Yes. So somewhere, let's put something which we can use as a thing. But no, uh, you know what you talk about about the Rashtrakutas and all which you talk about. No, they're all covered in that map. In that map, that, in this map, this is how these yeah. people occupied this part of the. And some a little distant. bit about the administration, and of course, Vijayanagara is mentioned. Uh, and then, I mean, oh, in the in that too. Yeah, little bit. Uh, no, the 
just see Chhatrapati Shivaji Maharaj. All the coverage he gets is a photograph. So 25, the entire book, there's no description about who he was or what his achievements were. Just a photograph and a caption. So that's all a child would read about Shivaji Maharaj in India. So when I mentioned this once long ago on Twitter about Indian textbooks and it's not there, then I had a whole bunch of uh, so-called liberal, uh, uh, liberal supporting people who, uh, you know, who turned around and said, God knows which history she's read. I've read CBSE, Bhaiya. I've gone through CBSE systems. Some of them were Bombay-based. Yeah. So, you know, people who've studied in Maharashtra, mm. yes, okay, you've gone through state, uh, yeah. uh, you know, history books. And in in your state uh, uh, boards, mm. you might have read a little bit yeah. about Shivaji Maharaj and you know about it. But as far as... The national yeah, CBSE, Basically, NCRT. what we read was that he was a loser. Yeah. I'm sorry, you can sue me if you want. But what we read about was how he lost. Yeah, yeah. How he was killed. Maharana Pratap, how he lost. The Haldi Ghati. Yes. Which was, was an indecisive battle, by the way. And a few years later, they actually, the battle of Divar, they actually reconquered whatever they had lost, Mewar. Uh, that is not talked about. No. Yeah. We read about the battles which are great uh, heroes or should have been our heroes, yeah. they're regional heroes. Yeah. Then we lo- the battles that they lost is part of Central Board of Secretary Education and NCRT books. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Right. Why are our new historians, or I shouldn't say new historians, but historians of repute who are now writing about our, his- our heroes, why is it not being incorporated? Why still? That is a right question to the wrong person. You have, uh, you know... Uh, the ears and um, eyes and the everything of the government and I think that should be addressed to someone in the government. It is <laughs> not. Okay. Uh, let me tell you that uh, the first time that I could get through to uh, somebody, I did ask. Uh, might as well mention it now, yaar. Main kyun chupaun? I mentioned it to Advani ji. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was Home Minister. or He had just become Home Minister. In fact, it was like they had just been sworn in. And he was Home Minister. And I took my son's history books. And I showed it. And I said, these are the history books. This is what is being taught. Ab kya hoga iska? Like, is there going to be any correction at all? And he said, Murli Manohar Joshi is now HRD. At that time, it okay. came under HRD. He's on, he, HRD. Hum log relook karenge aur ye sab badlega and there will be a change. And the uh, incorrect uh, depiction of our, uh, some of our warriors, some of our, uh, some, some of the history narrative will be changed. Hmm. Because how many years? Yeah. Nothing has happened. Yeah, I think, I don't know, now there's, there's, there's a lot of talk of this uh, new education policy and a, a national curriculum framework or whatever. Um, and there was this entire committee under Dr. Vinay Sahasrabuddhe, who uh, the parliamentary committee, particularly for textbooks and this whole thrust on unsung heroes and heroines need to be included. Um, but I don't know why it's taking so long uh, because there is content, there is material. Uh, which all that needs to be done is incorporated uh, because every year is like one generation lost mm. and most children uh, don't read history beyond say class 10 or 12. Yeah. Um, they branch out into other disciplines. So the only brush they have with history or engagement with our country and its past is only such a limited span. So after that, what you mentioned, then it becomes a lot of unlearning and relearning 
so you've you've had an entire generation go uh you know not it, entire one generation several generations yeah, so that's what every year is like one yeah. one loss and they are, they're going to have this further you know instilled in their heads as they graduate to college where i think the uh, the content gets more toxic uh and more self-loathing and more uh you know uh, you're looking at yourself with so much of derision uh, i'm saying it's a very thin line smith i think you know the, uh, i've mentioned it even in the prologue to this book that uh, it can run down the slippery slope of jingoism mera bharat mahan and everything about our past is great i don't think it's that also i mean mm. one shouldn't go that there was a golden uh, golden era and then there was invasions and the dark era so that sort of a narrative also uh, it becomes very uh, very very problematic i think to to make everything that correct way. and many i have seen many of these uh, you know um, literary festivals go down that path <laughs> where uh, you know these two extremes hmm. that everything was in the the glorious era was in the past yeah. and then came islamization and then was our downfall and then the british came in this it's very reductive yeah yeah so i i think there needs to be the time has come where hmm. people genuine scholarship can be put inside a room <laughs> people can sit across a table and have a grand indian narrative as to what have what's been our story hmm. uh, in the 5000 years or whatever of our documented existence uh, and like chinwa achebe says until the lions have their storytellers uh, the history of the hunt will always glorify the hunter and i think that's all we've been doing we've so well said <laughs> yeah yeah so you know uh, uh, we were india talking india has not found i think the the lions in india have not found their storyteller and that is the reason we see indian history only through the eyes and details of all our invaders huh. but never of our native heroes and heroines you know uh, we talked about how the uh, the shivlings were taken everywhere the jyotirlings were taken everywhere yeah. and saved and things like that um so when there's a lot that we have talked about and we have seen also it's a lived history of temples broken idols chopped uh, yeah. you know uh, and uh, like you said the jyotirlings taken everywhere prisoners slaves sati johar there are so many so many of these instances of loot and destruction mm. uh, you talked about how uh, the slaves were taken or the the princesses were taken and kept in the harem uh, in spite of that there are some intangibles these were the tangibles of the jyotirlinga but some intangibles of culture and all have still survived yeah. how did they last to to my mind i think the very fact our strength was our diversity mm. uh there was nothing called uh, you know one religion one book one faith one message mm. the, the the multiplicity in every uh, every few kilometers i think there was a different uh, faith system and sanatan dharma embraced everything uh, from the vedic to the tantric to the anim animist and shamanic pa pagan rituals to uh, atheism nirishwarvad all of it was was accepted so if a, for an invader to come and uh destroy if there was just one thing to destroy it would have just taken one blow but here they were you destroy one 10 other things spring up uh and uh, you know we're almost like raktabijasur we keep 
springing up every time someone is uh, destroyed <laughs> and they uh, um, the maximum efforts were made to destroy all our centers of learning whether it was nalanda or takshashila and vikramshila all our universities libraries all of these were burnt down but a lot of our knowledge survived despite that because it was oral tradition it survived through word of mouth generation to generation you killed uh, a guru Ten of his shishyas were there who propagated that in whatever diluted form. Of course, we lost out a lot of the original content, but I think a lot of it also perpetuated and survived. And mm. that is uh, that story of resilience of uh, us as a civilization that deserves to be told. And that is what, when I say the grand Indian narrative needs to come, it's not with the sense of false jingoism or false pride. It's a sense of genuine pride. History has that utility too. To the otherwise, what? Why are we reading these stories of the past? It makes no sense to anyone to memorize by rote who came after whom. It has little relevance or utility in life uh, beyond. I mean, everyone is going to become a engineer or a doctor or an economist or something else, a foreign policy expert. Where does all this help you? I think the sense of identity, the sense of self worth as a nation, as a people, and the mirror that it. holds to us i think that utility of history if one has as the goal and then sets out the how do you you know populate it with the stories and the anecdotes and the incidents uh, that is what is needed to be done now in my view you talked about diversity and being you know uh, it's all coming under that umbrella of sanatan and all yeah. now this is what is you know hindus are accused of this is this that you co-opt all of this yeah and you are you are mitigating or you you you're just kind of obliterating not mitigate sorry obliterating uh, you know the specific identities when you talk about animism this tribal form of worship of gods or bol diya ki ha you are also this is also hinduism jainism you are also offshoot of hinduism buddha so, was made a avatar of vishnu ha avatar of vishnu so this the criticism is that you're this you're adopting you're taking over everything i mean the, that uh, of course you know where i'm leading to about kamala hasan and the <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah, i am going to so first both these are questions into one one is was were the cholas hindu <laughs> after what kamala hasan said in the debate that got generated and two about this co-opting all this and because so, kantara has yes. raised all this you yes. know that um, my part Bhut- of the country by Bhutaradhani, the way yeah, yeah bhutaradne <laughs> and uh, we talked about rani abakka we'll come to that also of bhutaradne that's how basically you know frankly i got to know only about rana rani abakka through some childhood memory of yakshagana or bhutaradne hmm. that i saw as a child not from my history text yeah. so, right yeah. so now come to this cholas and about animism and tribal worship yeah. i mean if the cholas are not hindu uh, i mean first of all this is such a useless uh, comment which uh, should have just been ignored like how i ignored rahul gandhi's <laughs> <laughs> thing but i'm glad some people didn't because that generated i think a lot more knowledge and curiosity and inquisitiveness about the cholas, cholas yeah uh, and uh, rest of india about the vindhyas who look down on everyone below the vindhyas as madrasis they got to know that you know cholas bhi koi tha and uh, thanks uh, to the ponian ha huh, what a grand empire yeah. thanks to ponian selvan there's a increased I, I'm told uh, the, the the book itself is selling so much. The Ponian Selvan of Kalki, mm. uh, the translations and all that after this movie has come and this controversy that way helped. But to say that someone who's built the tallest, uh, you know, Shiva temple, Brahmeshwara and Gangai Konda Chola Puram and the temple there, 
they were worshippers of all aspects of uh, you know the sanatan faith i mean they their ancestor they called uh, initially tiruman who was lord vishnu and then they called themselves as suryavanshis so they also propitiate propitiated uh, surya. surya and yeah. their family deity was this uh, form of devi called nishumbasudini uh, they had uh, muruga temples uh, ganpati was an important motif in all the chola you know flags and uh, architecture and all of that yagyas were um, big yagyas mahadanas and all these were done by all the ranis and the rajas according to vedic traditions sanskrit and tamil were equally patronized hmm. uh, those who could chant in both the languages they were patronized and these inscriptions the best part of the cholas is they've left so much of documentation yeah. uh, for a for a nation which has always been accused of not knowing how to keep its history uh, right from albaruni to everyone who said the hindus don't know how to uh, maintain their records the cholas have gone overboard multiple copies of the same information on coins on temple walls on palm leaf copper plates the tiruvalangadu uh, copper plates which are there that has uh, right up till java sumatra yes okay. and uh, sri lanka maldives sri all of these yeah. and these mention all these rituals the uh, vedic uh, tradition uh, the these mm. things that were done and all the different panthas within sanatan dharma were appeased and patronized and today uh, the builders of the most beautiful and wonderful temp- hindu temples you call them as not hindu i think that's what our other dear friend anand ranganathan in one of his many witty uh, <laughs> comebacks had said so are you going to say that uh, till the time oxygen was invented and named so people were not breathing uh, what were they breathing so the name hindu was probably developed over the ages or whatever that's again subject to debate some people say it's so their right we're talking about chodas i'm going to quote from your book uh, uh, vikram yeah. uh, you've written in this that they had eliminated all possible rivals uh, on the eastern coast of the subcontinent captured kerala uh, with its many important ports of malabar and occupied maldives and sri lanka this put them in a pole position as a leading player in maritime trade of asia as they held sway over several major trading ports again no mention of uh, the the cholas about their uh, trading maritime ability i mean the the very malay word today the malay word of today malaysia and indonesia was divided between sri vijaya in the west and the kingdom of mataram in java now these are tell me these are not indian words these are not <laughs> hindu words these are not what is it what are these and uh, you know to come back to the cholas yeah i'm just you know your the chola thing other than uh, you know the kings the the kingdom itself it is so readable that yeah, part yeah and um, the the living proof of that is what you see in southeast asia where there there are so many hindu temples the hindu motifs whether it's a, you know ram leela in uh, indonesia muslim country where still you know the the yeah. the culture is still they they have those hindu roots and traditions bali and all these places you uh, see even uh, garuda like, ga- uh, yeah garuda varuna yes you don't see garuda and varuna uh, saraswati uh, there's yeah. ganesha on the currency uh, yeah. well someone else here wants ganesha on the currency but then uh, we have <laughs> <laughs> ganesha on the currency i think in indonesia yeah. uh, a muslim country so uh, all of these tra- trace back to those times when we had so much of and all these were facilitated not through colonial 
activity. We never colonized. Hmm. Uh, it's only cultural influence and trade, uh, inspired by trade. Shipping uh, and maritime. Sh- Tell me about yeah. that also, which you talked about the South Kingdoms, yeah. which you talk about. Particularly the Cholas. I mean, they uh, have um, in hmm. detail mentioned how yeah. their ships were built and how they went in the high seas. The different kinds of ships, ships also. Yeah, different kinds yeah. of ships. One, uh, the one which went only for seafaring and merchant, uh, you know, activity. One for battleships, like a naval armada. And uh, these, uh, the best part was at a time, 1025 CE, uh, when Rajendra Chola attacked Sri Vijaya, uh, which is in uh, the Malay Peninsula, to actually have his entire ships go and attack 14 ports when there were no uh, compasses and so on to know the direction. How did they actually navigate the seas? So that also threw a lot of astrology, astronomy, uh, wind directions that they studied in a particular nakshatra when the, uh, you know, af- in the Marga Shirsha uh, month when there is some nakshatra in the sky. At that point, the wind is going in this particular direction and this speed. So then the, the ship leaves the port at this particular time then it's going to go and directly hit the port of Sri Vijaya. I mean, that kind of precision with which yeah. uh, these people went and did uh, what hmm. they did. And the the Cholas along with uh, the Fatimids in uh, Egypt and the Song dynasty in China, we were almost, uh, you know, global powers when it came to the maritime trade. These were the three major powers at that time when it came to the entire, uh, you know, Indian Ocean and uh, Southeast Asian trade. Uh, but, you know, that 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 aspect that we were uh, an important global economic power and also military power hmm. uh, is seldom emphasized in the manner it should be uh, for so those who are listening in those who are watching this podcast i mean i would i would students if nothing else you know that um, read up pick up texts pick up books uh, which tell you that india was a maritime power what we did with our you know, otherwise, what we've only learnt about European yeah. mar- uh, nations then being maritime powers, yeah. or even maybe even if you move towards uh, Egypt and you know, there too, Central Asian countries being yeah. maritime powers, but Indian maritime achievements are not talked about. Yeah. And maybe 500 years later, the re-establishment of that maritime power under Chhatrapati Shivaji Maharaj, and who I think understood. The importance of, uh, you know, Coast Guard built so many forts, uh, coastal forts across the Western, uh, you know, Konkan and uh, that entire Western Maharashtra region. And that's why I featured Kanhoji Angre, hmm. who was the Sarkhel of the, the, the Maratha Navy. And uh, if Shivaji Maharaj was the f- uh, father of the Maratha Navy and probably Indian Navy, we now have his insignia also yeah. on the <laughs> naval flag, which is, uh, you know, long overdue. Hmm. Um, it was Kanhoji Angre who gave action to Shivaji Maharaj's dreams. Uh, and though, unlike the Cholas, the Maratha Navy never went into the high seas. They were more like coast, coast guards. Uh, what the uh, European powers would probably call pirates, uh, but then they ensured that to trade in our country, you need to get the permissions of the local, uh, you know, power that be. So be it the Portuguese, the Dutch or the English East India Company or even the Siddhis who were there in that part of the country. They had a very tough time with Kanhoji uh, to, 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 to get access to trading on the western coast. Since we are in the Deccan, I'm going to move to Karnataka. Uh, and uh, since you and I both are from <laughs> that state, you know, um, 
when uh, when uh, when I came to the Rani Abaka pit, I mean, I I went back and forth. So mm. when I came to Rani Abaka, what I did not know for certain is that there were there wasn't one Rani Abaka. Four. Yeah, there were <laughs> four of them, and each one was different, and you know had different uh, contributions to make. And uh, I it, this came as a surprise. So maybe people who studied from Karnataka board knew about it, mm. but. Uh, there's certainly no mention about her nothing that we read about maybe amar chitra katha or something <laughs> like that as students you could get but if you did not have access to a british council library or if you didn't have access you did not know about many of the people that you mentioned and certainly not about rani abaka yeah so uh, and also there were like you know uh, i'm going to read out again as i said i have got these <laughs> points which i've got marked <laughs> out which i find so fascinating uh-huh. and uh, i'm going to read out in this um about abaka is the uh, the warrior princess you know this fierce battle between the portuguese and abaka took place in 1555 ce and when the former sent an uh, former sent admiral dom alvaro da silveira against the queen with 21 battleships mm. Several innocent people in Ullal were tortured and murdered by the invading fleet attempts were made to desecrate the somnatha temple in Ullal which was bravely resisted by the nayakas of abakka who died fighting for this cause and then you talk about launching a surprise att- attack on them uh, we're still talking about the portuguese abakka managed to kill general pigzoto i'm mm. i'm presuming that's the pronunciation yeah. and 70 of his soldiers the invaders fled to their ships being thoroughly disga- disgraced abakka followed in hot pursuit and killed the admiral of the fleet mascaranas along with the help of her 6000 soldiers and the foreign army was forced to vacate mangalore fort <laughs> what a brave lady yeah and her and successor does something more heroic yeah um, in all these coconut uh, chippu you put uh, you know uh, the ammunition and that's hurled at the in the middle of the night the rpg of then yes the rocket <laughs> okay these were the grenades of then grenades and the entire portuguese fleet uh, yeah. you know was uh, burnt away that way and those stories traveled across the world apparently uh, to the court of a persian emperor Uh, who talks about this incident of a small little principality in India whose queen and her army destroyed the mighty portuguese fleet and so uh, one of the uh, pietro della val who's a italian traveler he comes to india particularly then to see who is this lady uh, you know who about whom the emperor of persia is talking about and so a lot of the uh, the chapter on abaka is also first person account of Delavel and what he saw about her how he of course thought that she was not at all pretty she was dark and obese and not the yeah. idea of the queen that he It had in her It was so cruel <laughs> what he said and then he he re uh, calibrated, uh, calibrated her calibrated after uh, that that's very nicely depicted in that I mean, he uses such crude words about <laughs> her that it was she was dark and she was short corpulent. and she was corpulent corpulent <laughs> and she was not wearing an upper garment yes but he did say that when she started talking he was fascinated yeah. uh, with that she was of nobility and she had such maternal concern for us for a stranger and a foreigner she asked him uh, she asked somebody who is this guy he mm. he looks 
different and strange and yeah. then he t- a translator helps them connect and he says i've traveled all over the world and she very lovingly asks him have you had suffered heartbreaks uh, which is why you're going you know to soothe your and heart and he had thought that she can't talk because she doesn't have teeth yeah. <laughs> yes. right i i found and that and she was into black magic and killing her own kids yeah. uh, all kinds of uh, tales that's again another thing against women uh, uh-huh. rulers uh, you know even across the world actually yeah, yeah. it's a global thing that uh, they've had that they were witches <laughs> and if they were not burnt at the stake yeah. that's another thing i want to say you know we t- keep talking about sati as an indian phenomenon women were burnt at the stake burnt yeah. in the western world too yeah so it's not an just an indian phenomenon anyway i digress go on <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah but the uh, you know um, i was talking with sushil who's uh, my producer who's also from karnataka and uh, we saying like you know uh, my i read about ullal yes hmm. but my, what is my memory of ullal or what is my thing of ullal is like not a single place where it says okay battlefield hmm. this is where I, only thing i know about i read about bangadi only in your <laughs> thing banga you know the kingdom of i didn't even know there was a kingdom of banga and all i've done is take a state transport bus probably <laughs> from there to here but to think that there were these famous battles that were fought there yeah. historic battles people who live there don't know vikram correct true which is the saddest part and in fact i i believe even the uh, the chauta dynasty uh, to which abakka belonged uh, till about a couple of decades ago even they didn't know that there was someone called abakka in their family it was some kind of a um, a scroll or something that they discovered when i met uh, the descendants uh, they told me that probably 50 years uh, 60 years ago they didn't know they had some vague idea that there was some heroic lady but the details were uh, unknown even to the family so that is how undocumented it just disappeared into something and th- of course the memory was kept alive thanks to the folk rituals the bhoot aradhane and yakshagana but the historical details were uh, revealed much later through some scroll which they got and then slowly a lot of scholars started putting together uh, dr vasanta madhava and so many others in coastal karnataka they uh, they started piecing together information about this these ladies who are called abbakka deviyaru uh, in plural in hmm. that part so it was never so, yeah, so the, the yakshagana uh, the recitals that i have been to hmm. so uh, as a child when i heard about rani abbakka and and i saw this this is my earliest memories of a yakshagana recital of rani abakka was mentioned in one of that but you know it i was told that this is legend hmm hmm not historical fact yeah so somewhere in all these you know people that you mention somewhere this legend myth mythology history all this is all blending yeah so where how do you figure out that, it's only that's how our history has always been written and hmm. i think uh, that's been the indian way of historiography uh, kantara th- what about that well that too i mean uh, in the same context where huh. you know uh, you invoke not only uh, a, a deity but also uh, your ancestor worship ancestors and also kings and queens and all of that and huh. so while mainstream historiography may have been unfair to all these people they nobody can take away the lived experience of a folk performance hmm. uh, where as you also remember that there is someone like this hmm. maybe the your textbook did not talk about her which is so sad but 
she lives on in memory hmm. i think now the time has come to also bring them into the scholarly domain and also document facts about them from whatever little fragments of uh, story are left behind of all these people i think that hmm. um, i mean in the prologue i talk about this shloka that is there about what history is in the indian imagination hmm. Hmm. you know um, where it said that कथायुक्तम पुरावृत्तम इतिहास चक्ष्मते धर्मार्थ काम मोक्षाण उपदेश समन्वित सो यू नो द नैरेटिव ऑफ द पास्ट द पुरावृत्तम टोल्ड इन अ कथायुक्तम इन अ फॉर्मैट ऑफ अ स्टोरी एंड फॉर व्हाट पर्पस वन इज टू अचीव द फोर पिलर्स ऑफ पुरुषार्थ धर्मार्थ काम मोक्षा एंड ऑल्सो उपदेश समन्वित इट हैज टू हैव अ डाइडैक्टिक वैल्यू टू इट देर हैज टू बी मॉरल वैल्यू फॉर सोसाइटी uh that which does all of this itihasam ta chakshmate it is called as itihasa which it's also broken down in sanskrit is itihasa it thus happened uh so i think it was a in the within that entire cocoon of the story i think the kernel of the truth was somewhere embedded and it was up to the uh you know the the seeker to actually get that out so the puranas the mahabharata and the ramayana which are Hmm. traditionally called the itihasa hmm. have such fantastic you know mythological tales kalhana's rajatarangini too i mean it has all kinds of fanciful tales and gods and goddesses and you know yakshas and this and that and all these stories are there but in that somewhere is also embedded the the historical truth hmm. and i think that's how our ancestors saw preservation of knowledge of all forms not only history I mean, even mathematics and so on. Everything was written in a kavya format. The yeah. the role of the kavi, the mahakavyas that were written. So they say the Sulba Sutras have the Pythagoras. I mean, the Pythagoras theorem was inspired by the Sulba Sutras. But if you go to the Sulba Sutras and see, it's not a formula like the West A square equal to B square plus C square. Hmm. It will be in some kavya no, form. Square on the hypotenuse is equal to the sum of the square uh-huh, of the, the other two thing. sides. And, <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so they give the longer form of yeah, that. <laughs> but there, in a in a poem, poem somewhere would be embedded this huh. this truth of that uh, mm. you know mathematical equation. So in everything, we had a very different. It was not knowledge had to be sought. It's not so easily spoon fed to you. Mm. So similarly, history too uh, was written in kavya form. It had to have this katha yuktam. It had to have some uh, upadesha to society, and th- that is how we wrote our history. That's how you have written this also. It's very kavya form. <laughs> It's there is a uh, if I was to uh, if somebody was to ask me what is linking these guys that you have picked the fifteen of them, I can't. I can't actually put a tangible thing that ha okay uh, there this is what is linking them but then like you said that there is a moral to the story <laughs> there is there is something linking them what is that magical thing that links them do you do you know of anything or did you pick them because there was some linking I think it just fell in place by itself <laughs> it okay. was really quite uh, you know uh, the way it, all of all of these just assembled themselves I uh, after a l- initial planning hmm. and later on I say hey I think there is a mosaic that just got created uh, you know without my active conscious uh, effort into doing this of course as I said lot of other people got missed out but I think so there's an episode 2 which is coming everyone's out everyone's been behind my back I mean the the the, the after g- the tipu book I guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after that okay so uh, vikram tell me about sharda peet it's something yeah kashmir one yes that 
just about the sharda peeth it's it's so close to my heart i mean uh, it there is a linkage so that's why mm. i want to just ask you well uh, i mean when i was re- doing this uh, research on the lalita ditya chapter uh, i saw that you know again the indic imagination of what a great empire is it's of course you know all the opulence the magnificence of palaces and temples and all of that but alongside each empire i think contested with another to be a center of learning and knowledge so even lalita ditya when he goes and conquers yashovarman and mm. all these people mm. he brings scholars from that part uh, to his court if uh, the uh, idol from the uh, you know normally they say um, idols were destroyed even by hindu rulers which is not true you would take away the idol of your opponent bring it back to your kingdom and build a much more magnificent temple for the same idol so you're not demolishing the idol in, like the iconoclastic waves of islamic conquest did uh, whatever is precious to your opponent be it intellectuals be it deities you're bringing it back and giving it a better uh you know importance in your domain and that's how you have conquered your uh, your opponent so i think lalita ditya the kind of people vakpati uh, atri gupta and uh, all these uh, bhavabhuti the, the poet all these people who come to the kashmir court uh, charvak sushruta uh, the ayurveda this one and um, atri gupta is the grandfather of abhinav gupta who begins this entire kashmir shaivism school um, vigyan bhairav tantra kashmir shaivism uh tantric this one vajrayana buddhism and how that influenced even the tibetan school of buddhism all originating from kashmir yeah. uh astronomy astrology it was veritably the center of knowledge and learning and that's why i think uh, around the same time when adi shankaracharya goes there and by then he has established the marched at the four cardinal points of india south no- west north and east and then goes up to kashmir and establishes the what is the sarvagnya peet the all knowing peetha uh, and dedicated to sharda who is the goddess of learning and the script there is also sharda script of yeah. kashmir uh, so the pinnacle of knowledge of civilization of culture along with material opulence uh, you know empires expansion going to all these different parts the, the importance the of kashmir of knowledge yeah which In which kashmir. has been destroyed for that very reason that that i think had the quintessence of the indian civilization to a large extent yeah. um, which uh, had to be destroyed if you have to break the back of us as a people i can understand that that was that was their aim yeah what was the what is the explanation succeeding generation hundreds of years that we don't tell our children this even today if we were to hold say a literary festival in shrinagar mm. does will this come out i don't think so no right. right yeah yeah even today we don't talk about it yeah so that's what that's why i want you know stories which you tell in the book mm. i just hope it inspires people to pick up and read about it read about even if you are from kashmir if you are from the northeast like oh yeah i i didn't talk about the northeast <laughs> so let's let's go into that let's yeah. go into the northeast part when we talk about the ahom kingdoms uh, the metis let's talk about that yeah. tell me something about that before we conclude i mean the ahoms rule for 600 years yeah. uh, in assam and they 
kept it largely an impregnable fortress barring a couple of attacks mir jumla and others uh, assam was not conquered and the large part of western assam which mir jumla uh, conquered during aurangzeb's time was within a matter of 10 years 12 years the the homes completely reorganized themselves built themselves from scratch under their ruler chakradwaj singha and his uh, commander lachit borphukon and we have the battle of sarai ghat uh, you know where uh, the mughals were beaten black and blue and sent back uh, raja ram singh of jaipur who sent with a huge army by aurangzeb to conquer uh, kamrup back he's defeated completely um, and this again doesn't uh nobody knows about now as i said of course thanks to all these efforts we have the 400th year yeah. of lachit uh, being lachit divas being celebrated and himanta sharma has picked it up and made it his life's mission i which think is so, i'm so glad which is so glad and yeah. i think he's also written to all the chief ministers of all states that yeah. they should include one chapter of lachit borpukon in their respective uh, you know school curriculum the entire details of lachit from the assam burunjis the 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 documentation uh in assam is so uh, so beautifully captured hmm. i was so uh, pleasantly surprised to see what are called the burunjis which hmm. are the uh, the chronicles the multiple uh, you know uh, 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 editions of these covering almost the entire span of their rule uh, and these have been digitized the uh, previous assam governments all of them have done a lot of work on restoration of this but why is mainstream may what is mainstream, mainstream first of all yeah. what is why is mainstream india not listening to these stories yeah. similarly the meti rulers i talk about pamheba in the book nagaland and manipur manipur Both. Yeah. yeah yeah it spans Both. yes all yeah. it, i mean the borders yeah. are different from yeah. what they are now, now so correct. that entire region i mean pamheba was the one who introduced hinduism in manipur hmm. uh, and then his successor whom i cover in the book uh, bhagyachandra jay singh brings this whole vaishnav sampraday the manipuri ras leela that you see today the uh, nata sankirtana all of that happens under him the govind ji uh, shri govind ji in manipur was established by him he offers his own daughter uh, as radha uh, to the because the, the idol of radha could not be sculpted on time for the installation and the, they all wonder what to do and he offers his own little uh, young daughter as radha and creates this dance form so while on the one hand he is also keeping the burmese armies at check who are constantly invading manipur there's a toss uh, of the throne between the two uh, metis and the burmese but at the same time he's also doing a spiritual and cultural renaissance uh, the name manipur also is very sanskritic name is given to the kingdom by him and uh, today if vaishnav uh, you know satras and so on in assam manipur that entire region it's all because of uh, you know these roots mm. of the ahoms and the metis and these people so the civilizational heroes that i spoke of mm. may not be in the traditional sense of going to a battlefield and fighting but keeping your faith alive and probably creating a renaissance there in the wake of uh, adversities and calamities i think that's where their contribution becomes so important but again we don't know much about them we don't read about them yes and so that's why i'm hoping that uh, you know uh, there is curiosity generated uh, and people read and make up their own minds rather yeah. than being you know told that this is right or wrong read read about your cultural history yeah. read about uh, something that you were supposed to be embarrassed about you'd have no reason to be embarrassed yeah. about that and uh, i mean it, it's not i i i think we should 
also mention our follies it's not always that you know like i said everything about the past is great and we we were the best correct i mean the other extreme we knew the in, uh, nuclear bombs we knew everything we could by mana shastra and oh, everything i mean some of it is true some of it is fantastic so i mean too much of that exaggeration is also correct. i think goes on the loony path so mm. i think a balance is needed yeah. where j- things about ourselves our ancestors their achievements we were not sitting idle for 5000 years 6000 years doing nothing so what were the knowledge systems created what were the achievements we had what were the tales of courage and resistance we put that famous couplet is thrown at us right kuch to hai hasti mitti nahi hamari what is that kuch it's not of course the spiritual strength of this civilization mm. but along with that there was also military strength mm. just through spiritual resistance you can't yeah. stay alive for so many when all other civilizations of your own time have actually collapsed so i think that story of this country is dying to be told and to quote that uh, famous speech uh, the, the the soul of a nation long suppressed uh, i think needs to find utterance now uh, when there is a genuine reawakening among common people of india irrespective of the political dispensation of who's in power and what i mean today i think the common indian has awakened uh and they asking questions and that is what riles a lot of mm. status quoists and establishmentarians who do not want uh the subaltern to speak so um vikram before we conclude uh this is uh since we are three uh kanadiga sitting out here <laughs> sushil my producer is also here so we're going to put one controversy a historical controversy yes. right so you since you're the historian yes. the historical controversy to rest and this is for you anand ranganathan anand ranganathan dr anand ranganathan <laughs> we're going to have mysore park out here and i have a historian here <laughs> who's going to tell us mysore park kanadiga of course or tamil no way tamil it is kannadiga and okay. i mean we we know the story it was nalvadi krishnaraj wadiyar's court ha. where uh, i mean i think the ha. he wanted suddenly he said i want to have something sweet hmm. to eat hmm. and the cook did not have anything else to do so he just uh, cooked some you know uh, jaggery and this and that and he put some besan powder and made some random dish and brought it to the maharaja who loved it and said what is this called so he said mysuru paka yeah. the the paka the, the the entire this one that is made sugar, sugar huh. and that's how the mysore park was born and these tamilians other than kaveri water they also want our mysore they park. want our mysore park yeah. not done now, by the way i'm half a tamilian to be honest <laughs> and half a maharashtrian so we are not <laughs> going in into whether <laughs> anand so is half a my, uh, tamilian my side might actually disown me for doing this but then to spite anand anything anything right anything here so allowed. let's let's gorge on the mysore park in this in honor so, uh, so i'm going to have my editor also come in He's from Kerala. Anand. So he's he's the neutral guy. Chalo chalo. Aajao idhar. Now you come. So we're going to have Sujit. So like like so the heroes and heroines of our book. Um, Kerala is also this, going to come. Now we've created this alliance with yes other states against the common enemy. So come. <laughs> now you are going to you're going to have. So now Kerala is with us. Yeah. Right. So, so we're so building the alliance. We're building the alliance. Are there the any alliance? other states? No. But this is Mysore Park, and Mysore Park is from, from Karnataka. Karnataka. So. on that note on that throwing sweet the gauntlet note. on yes. that sweet note and after throwing the gauntlet and i'm 100% certain that anand is going to go on on a television network forget <laughs> about a podcast he'll go on a television network and put us down but then we have decided that mysore park mysore parka is 
ಕನ್ನಡಿಗ ಜೈ ಕರ್ನಾಟಕ ರೈಟ್ ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ ಯು ವಿಕ್ರಮ್ ಸೋ ಮಚ್ ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ ಯು ಸೋ ಮಚ್ ಫಾರ್ ರೈಟಿಂಗ್ ದಿಸ್ ಬುಕ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಫಾರ್ ಕಮಿಂಗ್ ಅನ್ ಸ್ಪೀಕಿಂಗ್ ಆನ್ ದಿ ಎನ್ ಐ ಪಾಡ್ಕಾಸ್ಟ್ ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ ಯು ಸ್ಮಿತಾ ಸಚ್ ಅ ಪ್ಲೇಜರ್ ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ಸ್ ಫಾರ್ ದ ಮೈಸೂರ್ ಪಾರ್ಕ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ವಿ ಸೆಟಲ್ ಇಟ್ ದ ಹಿಸ್ಟೋರಿಕಲ್ ಡಿಬೇಟ್ ವನ್ಸ್ ಫಾರ್ ಆಲ್ ಐಡ್ ಆಲ್ರೆಡಿ ಸೆಟಲ್ಡ್ ಇಟ್ ಇನ್ ಕೊಯಂಬತ್ತೂರ್ ವೆನ್ ಆನಂದ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಐ ವರ್ ದೇ ಬಟ್ ಐ ಥಿಂಕ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಮೋರ್ ಆನ್ ರೆಕಾರ್ಡ್ ದಿ ಎನ್ ಐ ಪಾಡ್ಕಾಸ್ಟ್ ವಿತ್ ಅಬ್ಸಲ್ಯೂಟ್ಲಿ absolutely we only factual stuff yes <laughs> <laughs> right thank you thank you, thank you very you. much okay thank you for watching or listening in to this edition of ani podcast with smita prakash do like or subscribe on whichever channel you have heard this or seen this namaste jai hind